This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 189. And the quote of the day is from Jimmy Carter, who said, We must adjust to changing times and still hold to unchanging principles. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers and industry professionals. Information, education, and motivation for drumming and beyond. What's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here, and welcome to another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. If this is your first time listening, checking it out, never heard of it before, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And there's over 185 other interviews at drummersresource.com, and you can get the most recent 50 or so on Stitcher, iTunes, all of that fun stuff. And this session is brought to you by Gretsch Drums. And Maddie, who is the interviewee of this podcast, of this session, did a bunch of videos for Gretsch. And if you go to drummersresource.com forward slash session 189, you can check out some of those videos, uh, him playing some of the Catalina club kits and things like that. So really cool videos to check out. And they have recently come under the umbrella of DW and are really making some great products. I spent a lot of time out there and have checked out a lot of the the Gretsch stuff. So definitely worth checking out at gretsch.com. So let's get into this interview with Maddie Amendola. And he is the son of Billy Amendola, who you may know from Modern Drummer, may or may not, but his his father's also a session drummer and things like that. And Maddie is interesting because he plays a bunch of different instruments. He's been playing since since he was a young kid and touring and things like that, but he's a drummer, guitar player, producer, uh, all sorts of things. And we get into not only a lot of drumming stuff, but also music industry stuff and just some advice for people who are coming up through the industry, where the industry is now and things like that. And I want to preface this interview with something. Thing. We sort of go down this rabbit hole uh, talking about the music industry and we stress it in the interview too while Maddie and I are talking that the conversation is not meant to be negative. It's meant to be realistic and then positive for the future of music. So if you're listening to it and it starts going down this road, I, I don't want you to think that this is, is, is a negative conversation by any means. And uh, and you'll hear that at the end that it's it's definitely a a message of hope and an inspiring message about how we as musicians can can sort of take the music industry wherever we want to go if we speak up and and take a stand so without further ado let's get into it with maddie amendola Maddie, what's happening, man? Thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thanks to everyone listening. Absolutely, man. So you, uh, so we talked a few weeks ago. So you just got you just got back from Nashville, right? I did. Yeah, I was out there for a gig, and you know it was during Nam, so I got to see all my peeps there, and that that was cool. I haven't been to Nashville in a minute either, so. Nice. So were you doing studio stuff or were you playing live? I was actually playing live with an artist that I've been developing, Juliana Wilson, and I was actually playing guitar. Oh, okay. Uh, very, very Nashville of me, I know. <laughs> <laughs> when in Nashville, right? Exactly. I had a I had a hat on and everything just for it. Doing it right. Yep. So for the, for the listeners who don't know who you are, let's put a little bit of context of just a little bit of your backstory and uh, some of the stuff that that you do and and where you come from. Cool. Well, you know, I started playing drums thanks to my dad, Billy Amendola who uh, most of you will probably know, and uh, started playing around five years old. That's on YouTube somewhere. And, uh, you know, around 10, 11, 12, kind of started playing in every single band in New York City that I could and sneaked into every single club. And by the time I was 16, 17, I was out on the road for 
what felt like 10 years <laughs> and pretty much continued doing that till I opened A25 Records in Brooklyn, New York, which is a music incubator and we specialize in artist development. But we also have a killer studio. So this is my home base where I track all my drums and we've got an awesome hybrid SSL console. And, and uh, nowadays it's pretty much just session work and producing. So how, how much of an influence did your dad have on you when you were growing up playing? I didn't sleep, so he <laughs> he would just bring me wherever he was, whether it was a session or a show. I mean, you know, he was sneaking me into clubs and bars at two o'clock in the morning just because I didn't sleep as a child. And same thing with sessions. So I kind of grew up like around studios and around sessions and around shows to the point where, you know, I, I kind of saw what it was all about and I saw how I needed to act. So that was a huge role. But honestly, I think the best advice he gave me when I was you know, maybe 10 or something like that was, Hey, you know, you, your, your drumming's really good, but you know, go grab a guitar or something, start writing songs. And, uh, and it was advice that I took and thank God I did because that's pretty much, you know, the majority of my income at this point. Hmm. That's interesting because, and I, and I agree with you. I played piano for years and quit and now regrettably, uh, say that because, the one thing that, that I don't do a lot of is, is songwriting. And for a couple of reasons, one, I think that it, that it gives you a, a diverse avenue. So you can go, you know, you can, if you can play a couple of different instruments, but also, you know, that's, there's more money on that side of the, on that side of business. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, the music business is what it is right now, right? Right, right, right. We don't have to go into that. Um, if anyone wonders where my afro has gone, it's, you know, I like to say it's because it's the music industry. I've lost all of it. But um, <laughs> no, the truth of the matter is, you know, it's twofold. I tell every musician that they should take a drum lesson at some point, you know, especially singers. You know, everyone says that the drummer is driving the bus, right? But the bus is really, you know, the engine in that bus is your lead singer. So, you know, you could be driving, you could be the best driver in the world, but if that engine ain't running too well, well, then you're not going to be that great, right? And, you know, so I tell every musician they should take drum lessons, and I tell every drummer that they should take other instrument lessons, because you want to understand what's going on. You want to have a collective understanding of everything that's going on, and I, I think that's what makes the best drummers in the world, or the guys who can sit behind the kit and obviously they know how to groove and they know, you know, all the importance of playing to the song, but they're also a step ahead of everyone else. You know, the drummer is, you know, in charge of transitioning from section to section. You know, how can you really do that great if you don't understand what the next guitar part is or what the next, you know, where the bass line's going? Mm -hmm. So understanding all that stuff is crucial. And then, and then you get into studio work and it's like, you know, you really should have an understanding of, you know, how an engineer works, too. I mean, when they say, hey, can you hit the kick drum for 20 minutes? You know, sit there and hit the kick drum. You know what I mean? And, and, and pay attention. Understand that they're getting levels, they're getting compression, they're getting EQ. You know, don't mess around and sit on your phone. Hit the kick drum for 20 minutes. And, you know, <laughs> so it's like understanding everything that's going on. And then, you know, on the financial side, you know, obviously, you know, I don't think that everyone should try to do everything because you're not going to be great at everything. But... Yeah, I mean, there's absolutely other, you know, income sources when you start playing other instruments. And for me, that was huge because I never just wanted to be a drummer, you know. And mm -hmm. to this day, if, if, I, if I was only doing session work playing drums, I would not be in the studio seven days a week. Right, right. 
so how do you suggest that people sort of manage all that or balance all that if they if they say oh well i do want to play drums but i you know i want to learn all these other instruments and i want to you know learn how to record records and and all that stuff how did you balance it you know i i kind of balanced it just because i think i'm a psycho and i'm a workaholic and i you know i spent years just grabbing a guitar and sitting there until my fingers were bleeding but you know, I, I kind of, I fortunately, I kind of started playing drums and I was just able to kind of sit down and play what I heard in my head. And when I sat behind other instruments or grabbed a guitar or a bass and I couldn't do that, it was so frustrating that I just went into psycho mode. I, I had to get there. And, you know, nowadays there's really no excuse for anyone who wants to learn anything. All you got to do is go on YouTube and, you know, have a hundred dollar acoustic guitar or something like that. And you should be up and running within an hour. You know, same, <laughs> same thing goes with, you know, every, every Macintosh now has GarageBand. I mean, I've made records on GarageBand. And how did I learn how to do that? Well, you know, I was, you know, I mean, <laughs> I didn't really have YouTube as, as, as heavily as kids do nowadays. But it's all out there. You know, people just have to really want it and just go for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So as a, as a, as a multi-instrumentalist, uh, or most multi-instrumentalist. Wow, it's a hard word to say. Yeah, I was, right. I, I don't have to say that very often. It's a mouthful. Don't it, even it say that. Let's it just is. say musician. As a guy who plays a bunch of instruments, <laughs> uh, how do you think that? How do you think that it's that it's sort of helped you in your playing? Like, as a is a drummer helping you be a better guitar player? Is a you know a guitar player helping you become a better drummer? A hundred percent. I mean, at, at the end of the day we're musicians right and at the end of the day we're artists and what we're doing is we're just trying to convey what needs to be conveyed in in a musical language so every single thing and a lot of people ask me you know you know wow how did you just you know do a few takes on the drums and then get right on the bass and do that in one take to me it's all one thing you know and it it really is obviously it's there is different technique and there's there's a different mindset you kind of have to put yourself in but it really is all the same and it, it does help, you know, incredibly well. Going back to what I said before, just being on the same page of what's happening around you is so crucial. Um, you know, the drummer needs to be a step ahead of everyone to really drive that bus. Sure, sure. So I want I'm really interested in in the artist development side of thing and sort of how that kind of how that came about and also if you know what are the steps in that what are how is that something like you find an artist okay what's you know what's step one what's step two what's step three kind of thing right so you know basically for those who don't know a big thing that has been lost in the music business is this thing called artist development um you know before the 2000s pretty much you know no band just kind of got signed and hit the road and put a record out you know there was a at least a year of some heavy development with the you know with work with the label who at the time had a way better staff than they do now actually you know harnessing talent and bringing the most out of it they kind of stopped doing that in the 2000s and that's when i was producing and writing with a lot of people at the same time and you know, I, I was getting frustrated that I was working on a lot of good records and they would come out and they, you know, the artists would hit the road and nothing would happen. You know, it, it just frustrated me, you know, mm-hmm. maybe more than the artist, which was kind of sad. But so I at that time, I said, you know, what if I did something? What if I just took everyone and put them all under, you know, one umbrella, you know, kind of like an indie label, kind of like a, a production company, but 
you know, going a little further with it. And that's what A25 Records developed into. So basically what we do is we try to give artists a, a huge jump start into the industry. So as, as you know, it takes a lot, right, from, mm-hmm. from, from A to Z. And everyone's Z is a completely different thing, right? So the first thing is knowing where someone wants to end up because that's how we're going to tailor how we market, promote, uh, harness, ev- everything. You know, everything comes down to what they want that finish line to be. Um, and then from there, it's about, you know, it's, it's basically twofold. It's like 50% working on the, the talent side of it. And then it's 50% working on the artistry and the craft of being a performer and, you know, everything that kind of goes around that, that's so important, you know, photos, video, website design, social media strategy. Um, and we kind of do that all, all here in one facility. So I'm like, you know, if I'm, I'm in the control room right now, you know, to my left, about six feet is my live room behind me. 10 feet is a photo video suite. So all in house, we do everything. Did you guys do, uh, the Mark Juliana stuff? No, actually, uh, Gretsch. It's funny. Me and Mark did a lot of the Gretsch promos around the same time. He did the broadcaster, kit and then i did the marquee the catalina club um ooh, i'm forgetting two others um but we did them right around the same time and we, and we actually did them at lp's offices and uh, uh, okay okay yeah yeah they were that, that was those were fun days just ran, that was just a random uh aside because i was thinking that I know that you guys uh, have the video suite there as well. Yeah, you know most of the tracks that, that I was playing along to on on those Gretsch promos I did here at the studio. I got you. And, so, and it was those days were funny because that was the last. It was it was a big funny story behind that. So you can tell it if you want. Yeah, I mean, I I, I really have to. <laughs> That's you know, what we're here for. You know, moving to Gretsch for me was a great move. I mean, it's 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 home for the session drummer, and they they really understand that too and i have to send out a huge thanks to jeff ivester who really pushed for me during those meetings you know saying listen you know we need to get promos for these kids i think we should get maddie amandola and and you know everyone was kind of like well yeah but maddie's not really playing with anyone spectacular and this and that and and jeff said listen you want the drums to sound good get get maddie in so they called me in to do one kit, the marquee kit, and they they said basically they were like smash away, you know, Dave Grohl, you know, rock and roll, just do it. And everyone thinks I'm this big badass rock drummer, and I I'm not really. You know, I grew up playing rock. I love rock, but you know, I did it in one take. They loved it. They said, "Hey, why don't you try this Catalina Club kit?" I said, "Well, what do you want me to play? Jazz?" And they said, "Oh, a little bit." So I kind of did that and threw some hip hop in, and they said, "Wow, that was great." They said, "Could we throw a pop kit at you?" <laughs> so I, I said, yeah, man, sure. throw, throw, throw me a pop kit. And it ended up being uh, well, one more kit. Um, so we did a whole day, four videos. And one day I just did one take on every single thing. And if, if you go back and check them out, I think the rock one sucks. I think the other ones are awesome. Uh, <laughs> all the kits sound great. I'm just, you know, it's my own. <laughs> right, right, right. Getting down on myself here, but sure. Um, so yeah, I mean that was, and that was like just when I signed to Gretsch. So it's, it's been such a great relationship since then. And they're actually, so DW, I'm really close with those guys, uh, at DW and, you know, obviously DW and Gretsch are together now. So now I was just out there and I see all these Gretsch kits and I'm like, man, 
I think I'm gonna have to get because I play DW, but I'm like, man, I think I'm gonna have to get me some Gretsch kits. Yeah, man, and you know, I I, I talked to Garrison and, and and you know everyone from DW. You know, it's, it is the, it is a still a big family, which is cool. You mm-hmm. know, everyone's doing their thing and they're keeping it smooth. Um, yeah, you know, it's it's a pretty good situation. Everyone was scared, but I'm digging it. Yeah. I, I agree. Uh, so back to what we were saying. Sorry for the listeners for that, that quick aside. At least we're still talking about drums, but, uh, um, so we were talking about some of this artist development stuff, the video suite, and you were mentioning, uh, sort of that you guys have everything in house, that you're doing all this stuff in house. Yeah. So how much of it is you sort of running the business and how much of it is you being a creative and be, because, and the reason why I ask this is because I think that there's a lot of people who want to do what you do. And for me, like even with drummers resource, it's not, I mean, it's not a studio, but it's still a business that I'm running that is about drumming, but there's a lot of non drumming stuff going on. And of for course. you, I'm guessing yeah. there's a lot of non music stuff going on because it's a business that you have to run too. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, that's the hardest balance of owning a business just in general is you're, you're not always going to be sitting around doing exactly what you want to do. Um, but it's kind of the shoes that I put my feet into as well. You know, I was always kind of the band member, even, you know, being a little kid who, who kind of wanted to give my input on how the website should look and, you know, building press kits. And, you know, I, I always kind of liked that. So, you know, I would say most of my days, you know, I'm, pretty much recording maybe let's say five hours a day and then maybe doing all the other stuff for the other five hours so um i it is split up pretty well and even for my own sanity i make sure that i split it up you know sure um and i i also know exactly you know being a being a, a business owner you got to know you know what you're really excellent at what you excel at and what you're not so great at and when you do have to bring someone else in to do the job better. And, you know, being the owner, I love, you know, I, I don't think I could ever work for someone. I'm, I'm kind of here, you know, it's still my final decision at the end of the day, but you know, if, if I'm sitting around and, and, you know, trying to fumble with Photoshop for six hours, that's, that's just dumb. You know, you need to hire someone who's, who can do it and who can understand that, you know, you have a vision that they have to get across. Right. Well, that's what I was going to ask, because part of the podcast I love talking about, like, it's easy to talk about all the stuff that you're good at and, you know, the things that are cool and fun and everything. But so what are some things that maybe you're not good at or maybe some things that that took you a while to realize, like, hey, you know, maybe I should be outsourcing this or maybe this isn't me, because I think a lot of people try to do a bunch of things that they're not good at. And it's just getting in the way where you got to sort of set the ego aside and just let somebody else do it. Yeah. And, you know, I think that comes in two forms, too, because I think that a lot of people are trying to do a lot of things at once. And, you know, I've I definitely fall into that category, too. But I do know when to kind of let it go. And, you know, for me, I don't think it's necessarily about, you know, maybe you're not as good at this or maybe you can't get it done. It's just kind of putting yourself in, in, in a situation where we, with priorities, you know what I mean? If if I'm producing a record and I'm writing the songs for the artist, I'm playing a lot of the stuff. OK, then I shouldn't be styling the artist. You, you, know, what I, right. you know what I mean? Like right. there needs or, you know, same goes with if I'm mixing the record, I shouldn't be mastering the record. You know, there's there's just priorities. You know, you need to bring in fresh eyes, fresh ears. Um, you know, I had a session two days ago where I've been playing lead guitar on the whole record and I'm, I'm not really a great like rock and roll lead guitar player. 
you know, I'm more like, you know, George Harrison, let's make it melodic and pretty. And, you know, but but I had the whole solo written in my head. So I just gave it to another guitar player to play who was, you know, kind of like a shredder and was able to play it fast. It was still my solo. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's, so it's it's just, you know, it really is about putting ego aside and, and, you know, and getting the right team around you, too. That's the hardest thing. And, you know, I have to say it's it's not easy to do. And I, I'm constantly finding, you know, new people to work with. And it makes a huge difference. That, that's the biggest piece of advice I would give to anyone trying to get into a kind of multifaceted field is get yourself a great team, you know, and really set priorities that, you know, who should be doing what, when and who's better and why. And, and that might change project to project. And, and that's what keeps things interesting, too, you know, mm-hmm. and, and keeps everyone kind of respecting each other, just like a band. You know, it, it's you know, it's it should just be like a family sort of thing. Yeah. And this isn't to say that every person has to, you know, run everything, run a business and and do all this like you may just want to play on the side and get gigs. And that's totally cool, too. You know, I think that. Uh, a lot of people who listen to the podcast are interested in, in getting into more, I don't want to say entrepreneurial stuff because I think that's me projecting that <laughs> because I enjoy that kind of stuff. No, I mean, there is a trend right now. You know, everyone is, you know, for the most part, you know, the music industry is what it is. Let's say. <laughs> I'm right. trying hard not to get started on that, but, right. um, you know, I think that there is a trend right now where people are seeing that they're, you know, you're not just going to make enough money playing clubs and doing a few sessions a month. You know, there there is a bigger picture. So there is a trend of people, you know, going this entre, you know, entrepreneur kind of direction. And, you know, I think there's a good and bad to that. The, the, the good is that, you know, go for it. Like, I love seeing people just do what they want to do. The bad is some of those people just aren't qualified to do it. And, it makes the people who are look kind of bad sometimes. Right. Right. It's, I remember years ago, uh, I was in the band and I mean, it was a decent sized band. I mean, we were tour buses and everything, you know, and I was talking to somebody and I'm like, yeah, I'm in a band. And some, and they kind of looked at me like, yeah, you and everybody else, like everybody, yeah. <laughs> you know, like every, I was like, no, it's like a real, like a, it's like a band, like a real, you know, I was like, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but that, but it's, it's funny because, you know, for, and you get that sort of thing now where you're like, oh, I'm a, I'm a musician or I'm an entrepreneur. And they're just kind of like, oh, okay. You're one of those guys. And it's like, well, that, this is real. You know, not everybody who's doing it is real, but this is, this is real. Yeah. And, you know, you, I, I mean, you know better than anyone that, you know, the work you do speaks for itself. Right. Right. I agree with that. The cream always rises to the top. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes it's, you know, there's, there's a fine line between, you know, running your mouth off and letting people know, you know, what's up. But if you don't have something to back it up, then you're just going to look really dumb at the end of the day. All right. Right. So I don't want to, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of, the industry of where it is. Yeah. Don't get me started with that. We need to give the drummer some. Right. But I do want to, I do want to ask one thing though. Sure. Where do you see it going? What do you think is the next phase? Where do you think that where's the white space of where people can really make a difference? Um, I think this industry will fail. Yeah. I, I think it will go down in flames and it's already starting to. And, all I know is that I am going to be right there and ready um, to try to get it back to where it should be because the way it's going right now, it it can't succeed. Um, it's just it's dying a really slow death. Right. Um, so 
you know, you know, I, it's a subject I talk about a lot. I've been, you know, saying kill Spotify and streaming before Adele or Taylor Swift even knew that that, you know, even knew that it was in beta testing. So, I, you know, I've said all this stuff before and I'm happy to talk about it, but it, it's deep, man. You know, it, it's it, it gets really deep. Um, but I, I don't see it succeeding the way it's, it's going right now. And I, I don't think a drastic change is going to work either. I think it needs to go all the way down in flames and, and come back up. I, I would like to talk about it. If you don't want to, I, I respect that. <laughs> uh, but if, if you're open to talking about it, I would love to talk about it. Shoot me, shoot me a few. Let's let let's see, let's see where it goes. I don't I don't want I don't want to bring people down. No, yeah. but I well here's and here's why I want to I want to talk about this. You know, right right now, you know, we probably have like a few little kids being like, ah, oh, forget it. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go back to school. And that's <laughs> and and that's not. I mean, everyone who listens to this podcast, like I'm a positive dude, so uh, you'll never catch me like poo pooing something or like you know painting this grim picture. But I am. I am about speaking the truth and, and showing what the realities of the situation are. But I think that if, if collectively everyone can sort of get on the same page and we can revitalize the industry or at least do it in a way that is that, that everyone can, and it doesn't have to be, you know, the system that, that happened before is broken. It's done. It's over like that, sure. like getting into the record business and all that, like that, that's done. Right. So, but I think there's music is never going to die and no, people playing music not. is never going to die. And that's yeah. sort of where I'm, I'd like to talk about where it is now just so that people can understand it and then talk about, the vision of the future and the optimism that is the future that, that all of us can, you know, with, with internet and with the global distribution that we have, um, that we can actually, that we can actually make it on our own kind of thing. Well, well, check it out. Cause you know, what you said is a hundred percent, right. You know, whatever happens business wise, right. I mean, we're still going to love what we do. We're still going to do it every day. And it, you know, there's, that's never going to end for anybody that's out there doing it, but there is a cultural thing, right. And, and let's just look big picture for a minute. Bear with me. I'm sober. I swear. Um, <laughs> if we think about how the world works, I mean, we learn so much from history, right? History repeats itself right now. We're in an age that, nothing that's going on right now has happened before. So we can't really, you know, look back on history and see, oh, how did that pan out before? We're in this brand new age, right? With the internet and the way the new millennials are growing up. Sorry, millennials, but I'll explain in a second. There was a there was a huge cultural shift that kind of happened when, you know, Facebook became the biggest thing in the world. And kids are now growing up with this instant thing everything is instant they get their hands on it and it's there when we were growing up and i'm sure i'm sure a lot of people listening feel the same way i mean i'm i'm not that old i'm not 30 yet but when i was a kid every tuesday when records came out you know there were still cassettes when i was a kid i would go to the single shelf and i would you know i'd grab whatever new single was out that tuesday and then I would take whatever leftover allowance I had. I would I would walk around the record store, and that's when CDs just kind of started becoming the thing. And I would just look at album art, and I would go, oh, "That looks cool. I'm going to buy it." You know, when I got home, I was so happy to have this physical product in my hand. You know, it was a, it was a daily adventure, right? 
and you didn't know what to expect either. You, you didn't know, you know, you might have gotten the new Nirvana single and, you know, you, you knew what you were going to hear or whatever because it was on the radio. But those other records you were picking up just because you thought the album cover looked cool, you didn't know what you were going to get. So you'd put them on and sometimes they were awful, right? I, I'm sure everyone's been there where you bought that record that, you know, just on a whim and you put it on and it, it, it sucked. Right. But you are now sitting there with a tangible product in your hand that you went out and spent time deciding to spend money on. So you sat there and listened to it until you found things that you liked about it. That has not happened since the digital age took over the music industry. And I've, I've found myself falling into this trap. A new record comes out, you see it on iTunes Music or iTunes, you buy it, it goes right to your credit card, which nowadays we're like conditioned not even to think twice about, which is terrible. And then you know, three weeks later, you go, oh, I bought that record three weeks ago. Like, I should listen to that. Three weeks later, you go, oh, man, I got to listen to that record. And that's kind of like the cultural, you know, that's kind of what's happened in this, you know, the, the basically what's happened is the cultural shift has like people just aren't showing that kind of appreciation anymore because they're not really getting the full experience of you know, what it once was. And you, you know, better than, you know, better than me just as well, you know, an artist puts their heart and soul into making a record, you know? So when they say, Hey, like my Facebook page and someone goes, "Ugh, I got to like another Facebook page. It's like, dude, man, you know, this, come on, you know, help, help somebody out, go to a show, you know, buy a CD, buy a t-shirt. You know, these people are spending every penny they have and you're, you the audience you're you're not you're not really appreciating it as much as we'd like you to and you know that's not fair to art sure i'm I'm with you i used to go man my brother so my older brother used to bring me to the record store at 11 59 on monday nights because at midnight they could sell the new the new release coming out on tuesday right yep exactly so i get it uh and you know like listening to a record from from beginning to end is a it's an amazing experience. Here's the thing, though. So, and this is where, you know, I want to get your opinion on this, too. Okay, that's over. It's done. It's not coming back. So, now what? You, you see, the thing is, is there there is the model in which it was once done. You know, you could only listen to a whole record all the way through or, or that just being a thing. I don't think that that's completely over. I, I think that just the way, you know, the masses are kind of understanding it you know our the attention span of even a human is like eight seconds i think Mm -hmm. i don't know the exact it's short it's very short i mean and and i find myself falling into the same trap you know i'm driving around my car i got my ipod on shuffle you know i'm like two minutes two and a half minutes into a song and all right let's listen to the next one that's just that's just the world doing that to us and it's really unhealthy and it's just you know it's not really it's not a good thing you know it's not appreciative of you know the work that's been put in it's you know it's a deep topic you know (laughs) right right right. you know it's there are so many layers upon layers but you know i i think for me just kind of summing up the big picture is it's it's a cultural shift that it it has changed and I, i think that once people kind of you know the old way is gone you know the old model of how we got those records out is gone but they're you know we saw with Adele's record last year, you know, she said, you want it. This is where you got to get it. And guess what? People went out and they got it. Right. Um, and is, I guess this and this may be part partly ignorance on my part. 
so I'm going to ask you, and you may be able to answer it for me. So, like, when I put my record out, uh, it was a few years ago, and I put it on streaming because I, it, like, it was fine because I sold it at, at shows and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, but I didn't have any, like, major distribution or anything. So I was like, yeah, I'll stream it. That's fine. For me, it was sort of a, a lost leader. But, uh, if all of the artists are complaining about not getting paid from Spotify and Pandora, why don't they just not have their records on Spotify and Pandora? Because they they feel like then they're not cool. They feel like it's, you know, for a younger artist, you know, they they like to say I'm on Spotify, I'm on iTunes and stuff like that. For older artists, you know, they probably just don't have the marketing budget to really get it out there. I mean, think about it. Think about how many records are released every single day. If you want to cut through that noise, and I tell everyone before they make a record with me, because everyone comes to me and they say, hey, I want you to produce my record, but I'd also love your advice on getting it out there and all that kind of stuff. And I say, all right, what's your budget for recording? And they throw a number at me and it's, it's 10 times, you know, nine times out of 10, it's not enough. And right. I tell them that I tell them, the price it, yeah, you know, I, <laughs> and I tell them the price it should be and, we, and, and they get kind of comfortable with it. And then I say, okay, now if you really want to get this record going, triple that price because that's how much you're going to have to spend on promotion, marketing, and advertising. Even Facebook and everyone out there with a Facebook like page knows this. No one's going to see your post unless you pay at least $5 to boost that post. That's just the new norm right now. Um, so think about that. I mean, if, if you post once a day and you have a new record out and you want, even if you have 10,000 people, you know, if you have 10,000 people who like your page, with Facebook's crappy algorithms, only about 6% of those 10,000 people are getting it on their newsfeed. And they're just scrolling away throughout the day anyway, so they're not really paying attention. If you want some lasting, you know, if you want to up that, that algorithm number, you got to pay at least five bucks. So nothing is free anymore, and you got to cut through the noise. Um, but I agree 100%. You know, if I, I don't, I hate when people are complaining about Spotify and all that stuff and then their records there. You know, don't complain about it if your record's on there. Right. Sell it on your website or sell it at shows, which, you know, selling your album at shows is still the best way to make money, in, in, in my opinion. Right. And if you have, you know, if you, if you take 20 of the biggest artists, right? You take Jason Aldean, John Mayer, Justin Timberlake, Kanye West, Jay-Z, uh, you know, Adele, all these other people, uh, Taylor Swift, all these people. And you say, none of these are, they're not on Spotify. Nobody. And then after a while, a couple more. And I'm not saying this should happen. I'm just saying if this was. No, it should. It you know, should happen. No, it absolutely should happen. And, you know, Congress. Tried I wouldn't to be saying that if I own Spotify, though. <laughs> you know what? Everyone, everyone's got a little piece of the pie in Spotify. And that's right. why it's become as big as it is. And it's not going to go anywhere. Right. Um, you know, yeah, dude, it goes so deep. You know, if, if anyone likes like government conspiracy stuff, if anyone finds that interesting, you should go look into like the conspiracies that are going on in, in the music business right now. And, you know, just like any business, it's run by money. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, it's run by money. But the business is running out of it pretty quick. So, you know, it's, you know we're, we're going to see what's going to happen. All I know is everyone who, who agrees with me, just be ready for, you know, when when it does go down in flames or what, whatever that exactly is. Get ready to step up and do what you think needs to be done to make it a better business, because that's when we're going to need you. And that's when that's when all the opportunity is that, you know, and that's when the opportunity is. And, and that's when everyone who has been speaking up about this, including myself, that's that's our time to really step up and do what we've been saying we'd like to see done. 
Let's take a quick pause for the cause and we'll be right back with more with Maddie. I'm happy to announce that Promark is once again sponsoring the podcast and Promark is happy to announce that they've just released the Mike Portnoy signature stick that has active grip technology. So these sticks actually heat up when you're playing them and get tacky so that as you go through the show, you're not losing grip or anything like that. You're not losing control of the stick. Definitely some revolutionary technology. You can learn more about the new Mike Portnoy stick as well as the active grip technology at Promark.com. Also, if you're a podcast listener, you obviously are. You like audio products. And for me, I love reading, but I don't have time to sit down and read a book. So I use audible.com. So audible.com is your favorite book titles in audio form. And for being a podcast listener, you can get a free audio book at audible.com forward slash drummer. So you just go to that site, sign up for the service. It's free to sign up and you can download your first audio book and get rocking. So that's audible.com forward slash drummer. And one of the books that I recommend is Ego is the Enemy. I recommended that in my last podcast. And also Talent is Overrated. Two great books that I suggest check out and you can get one of them 100% free at audible.com forward slash drummer. Now let's get back into it with Maddie Amendola. I'm five years old. I come to you and I say, or, you know, I'm 10, whatever. And I come to you and I say, Maddie, look, man, I'm, you know, I'm 10 years old. I want to play drums. I want to do this professionally. And like, that's, that's all I want to do as a career. What's your advice? Start playing along to Beatles records immediately. That's, <laughs> honestly, you know, that being that young, you I love to, that advice. You need to start playing along to Beatles records, every single one. And then once you're done with that, you know, get Led Zeppelin one and start there and then, you know, and then start branching off a little bit into, you know, some, some simpler, you know, Motown stuff and, you know, early sixties kind of stuff. Start learning then at that point where Ringo and Bonham were getting their influences from. Um, and then from there, then you can start grabbing, you know, other people who are inspired by them, you know, then you can start getting into, you know, the later soul stuff and, and the later funk stuff. And, and you know, because when we're talking about making a living playing drums, right? I mean, if the groove isn't there, you're not going to be working at all. Sure. And, you know, if you want to get that groove down, I, I would say the Beatles is where you start. It You know, nine times out of ten, I walk into a session and someone will always say, hey, can you do a, a bottom kick thing there? You know. <laughs> you know, I don't think not once has anyone ever said, "Hey, right there, can you do a big Neil Pert fill?" You know, right. that's never happened. Sorry, right. Neil, but you know, um, so it's all about that groove. Start playing along to records, and you know, that's for for a very young young drummer like you just mentioned. That would be my first piece of advice. So, what about the career side of things? So that'll get your groove happening. That'll that'll get you playing well. But I think that that's half of the battle. Yeah. Once. All right. So once once you got that down, you got to start playing with as many people as possible. And you know, I was fortunate to grow up playing with legends, just kind of because I was around um, in the right place at the right time, growing up in New York at a good time. Um, but play with as many people as you can and try to make sure you're playing with people that are better than you. Do not be afraid to get on stage with a bunch of heavy hitters because you are going to learn so much, even if it's just an open jam. You are going to learn so much in that three-minute period of your life that will end up feeling like three seconds. Um, and then from there, you need to start 
playing shows. I mean, what I did was I, you know, every single band in New York City when I was, you know, 13, 14, they needed a drummer. I was I was available, you know, um, and, and people start talking, you know, people start talking real quick. If you're doing your job and you have a great head on your shoulders and you have a good attitude, people want to continue to work with you. You will get work. Mm hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the other, the other step there is, you know, when you start getting into the world of, you know, the Matt Chamberlain's and, and the Jim Keltner's, I mean, those guys understand so much about just music, you know, so that's going back to what we spoke about originally about being a kind of a step ahead of everyone and seeing playing drums as an art form, not just, you know, banging on a bunch of skins. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's it's difficult because well i shouldn't say it's difficult but it's i think every situation is unique so depending on what road you want to go down uh you know you should i always tell people just hey find the people who are doing what you want to do and figure out what they did do yeah. copy them literally like you don't have to reinvent the wheel just whatever someone else did just do what they did Right. And, and, you know, even you can follow the beauty of that is you can follow that path. It'll never take you down the same road. You know, it, it, right. it'll it'll keep you on kind of a, a detour route. But that's the fun of it. You know, mm -hmm. I I'm with you, man. So I have a couple questions about uh, one is about practice and practice routines. Uh, the, and I ask this question to everybody because everybody's practice routine is different and sure. the audience can pull one little snippet out of your routine and add it to seven other snippets that they've gotten from someone else. So what is your, what is your practice routine look like or, uh, or what did it look like if you, if it's different than it is now? So yeah, my practice routine is kind of twofold. Um, I kind of, I like grabbing a pad and warming up my hands and wrists and arms first and I don't really sit there and think like, okay, let's do some seven stroke rolls. Let's do some paradiddle deals. I really don't do that. I just sit there and I don't even play that fast. I just wait till, you know, my arms feel like they're ready to move, you know? Um, and I do that for maybe about 30 minutes and then I get behind a kit and I beat the shit out of it for another 15 minutes. And I try every single gospel chops lick in the world and you know i, I really just kind of let loose until i'm just about to break a sweat and then at that point i feel like i'm warmed up so at that point you know if i'm on a session date well that's that was just you know 45 minutes it's time to, it's time to start tracking so that's it you know but if if i'm if it's just a day where i'm chilling out at that point i'm either going to put a record on um, and try to really just dig into the parts, maybe grab something a little harder and just write a really quick chart and, you know, see how quick I can get it down. Or I will, you know, actually sit down and practice and say, Hey, you know, I saw this, you know, I saw some guy on Instagram do this fill the other day with this seven stroke roll on top of this groove and that feel. And, you know, so I'll sit there and, and try to work out stuff like that. But at the end of the day, for anyone out there who's looking, you know, for the next thing to practice, I've always said, the best musicians in the world can sit down and just play whatever they hear in their head. So sit down behind your drums and just play. And when you, when you're about to hit a physical wall, you know, when you're, when your limbs just kind of can't do what you were about to do, stop right then and there and figure out why, you know, if, Oh, you know, you know, for, for a lot of drummers, just, you know, playing and <laughs> playing an upbeat snare with quarter notes on the hi-hat, you know, that kind of independence is for a beginner is, incredibly difficult and you know even us pros we're going to run into things like that too 
you need to figure out what's, you know, not letting your body do that and figure that out. So then when you do get behind the drums the next time and your head goes somewhere, your body goes right with it. I like it. I like it. Definitely different than, you know, some of the other practice routines. So I dig it. And so what about, you know, daily routines or daily habits or things that you try to do on a daily basis? Doesn't have to be drumming related, but is there anything like, like I have a morning routine. Do you have anything like that? Not really. You know, I, I'm, uh, it really depends on the day and, and what's going on that day. You know, if, if I'm, if I'm going into the studio to track drums on a whole record, I'm pretty much just going over my little cheat sheet charts, which, you know, we're basically, you know, Sean Pelton taught me how to do those a long time ago. And I'm, I'm pretty sure Kenny, you know, Aronoff was who taught Sean a lot of that stuff. You know, we all have our different kind of styles of doing that, but you know, I think if I'm if I'm about to do a big date, you know, that's pretty much what I'm going over and making sure I have all that stuff, you know, penciled in, listening to demos and stuff like that in the car. Um, but it depends on the day because some days I'm getting into the studio and I'm just mixing all day, you know, mm-hmm. days like that. I just need to make sure that like, you know, my ears are in good shape and that, you know, I'm treating my body well and, you know, I'm not blasting the radio on the way to the studio. So it, it is different every day. And, you know, then there are some days where I know I'm going to be in with a band producing and I know that I'm going to have to sing ideas at some point, you know, whether it be melody changes or guitar parts. So I'll, you know, in the car, I'll put on vocal warmups and I'll do that for, you know, however long the drive is. So it's really different every single day. Okay. So if people want to reach out to you, connect with you, interact with you, what's the best way to do that? Man, I'm all over, you know, Facebook and Instagram. I'm there. You know, I check it often. Uh, it's just at Maddie Amendola. Facebook is uh, Maddie Amendola Music. Uh, I am more than delighted to talk to anyone if you got any questions about anything. And there's a bunch of cool stuff on the web. I actually just did um, a really cool video with Earthworks Microphones. Um, where I'm showing these, uh, these flex one mics, um, on, on how I use them on my hi-hat. So it's, uh, the very beginning of the video. I, I'd urge everyone to check that out just because it just came out. Um, nice. so and there was, and there was, you know, there was a bunch of videos, those Gretsch promos. I, I still love, you know, that was really the only time I, <laughs> the joke of the day was, Oh, I get to pretend to be a drummer today. You know? <laughs> Well, I, and I'll, all the, the videos that we're mentioning, like the all the Gretsch ones and the Earthworks one, I'll put in the show notes for this so that everybody can check all those out as well. Cool. If they're on, yeah, I, I you know, think everyone I think what everyone would dig them for sure, especially after hearing kind of some of the, you know, the backstory behind it. Right. Right. Dig it. Well, Maddie, thank you, man. I appreciate it. It was great having you on here. I've been wanting to get you on here for a while, and I, I've definitely uh, known about you for, for years, so your reputation precedes you, but it was great to have you, great to chat with you, and uh, thanks for, for all the insight. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, man, I appreciate it, too. And once again, to everyone listening, you know, uh, don't take anything that's been said and, and be down about it. That is no, not, that- you know, it's time to fight. You know right. what I mean? Right. <laughs> that was not the uh, that was not the purpose of this podcast. Right. And and as I tell everyone, don't forget. You know, most likely, if you're listening to this, you're a drummer, which means no matter how frustrated you ever are, all you got to do is go beat the shit out of your drums. That is the perfect. That's the the exclamation point on the end of this interview. I love it. The end. <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Thank you so much, man. I do appreciate it, and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Nick. Be all well. Right. Peace, man. Yeah.
there you have it, Maddie Amendola. And for the videos that I talked about in the beginning of the podcast and all the show notes that I talk about with Maddie, uh, we can, you can find them. I can't talk for some reason. You can find them at drummersresource.com forward slash session one. Eight, nine. And if you haven't already, please do me a favor, leave a rating or review of the podcast on iTunes. And what that does is it helps the podcast show up higher in the search results. So that way more people who don't know about the podcast can learn about it. And that's it. Doesn't cost you a dime. I appreciate it. And until the next podcast, keep drumming. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll be talking to you soon. Peace.